In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We have been hearing Jesus teach with parables for the past few weeks, and today we hear the last of five stories that make up the chapters 15 and 16 in St. Luke's Gospel. They all, in one way or another, have something to do with wealth, and they all have something to do with repentance. The story of the prodigal son stands right in the middle of these five parables holding them all together. The first two describe wealth that has been lost and is now found as cause for rejoicing here on earth, just as one sinner's repentance is cause for rejoicing in heaven. And the next two parables tell of wealth that has been squandered, and the resulting crisis creates an opportunity for hearts and minds to change. That is what repentance is, Jesus says. It's a change of heart and a change of mind. Today, we hear the last of these parables on wealth and repentance. But this one is a little different than all the others. In this one, we learn the cost of non-repentance, the price you pay when you just won't change. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. This is the second week in a row Jesus starts off by saying, there was a rich man. But it's the only time in any parable that Jesus actually gives one of the characters a real name. And instead of naming the rich man who begins the story, it's the poor man who gets the honor. He's called Lazarus, a shortened form of Eleazar, which means God helps. The setup for this story puts a gate between the rich man and Lazarus, but this gate is really more of a barrier than a way to connect the two of them. While the rich man wears expensive clothes, Lazarus wears only sores. The rich man ignores naked and hungry Lazarus as he passes through this gate every day on his way to some great feast. Naked, sick, and hungry Lazarus is invisible to the rich man. And herein lies the problem. One day, both men die, and suddenly their situations are reversed. Now Lazarus is sitting in Abraham's lap, being cared for by angels, and the rich man is tormented in Hades. But now he can somehow manage to see Lazarus at last, but it's a little too late. Seeing is an important theme in Luke's gospel. Author and Lutheran pastor David Lose writes, before you can have compassion for people, you have to see them, acknowledging their presence, needs, and gifts, and above all, their status as valuable in God's eyes. The rich man 
knew who Lazarus was. He even knew his name. But he certainly didn't place any value on Lazarus and in no way saw him as a fellow child of God. And even after he dies, after he finds himself in torment, he still doesn't really see Lazarus. He only sees that he is in Abraham's arms. And the rich man asks Abraham to send Lazarus to give him some relief from these flames. No, says Abraham, that's not how it works. When you were alive, you had all the good things and Lazarus had nothing. You didn't help him. Why should he help you? Well, at least let him go warn my brothers so they can repent before it's too late, he begs. No, says Abraham. They have their warning from Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to that, Lazarus won't change anything. You notice that Lazarus never says anything during this whole interlude. He doesn't need to. His presence every single day at that rich man's gate said everything that needs to be said. Every day, the rich man walked past Lazarus without seeing him, without caring about his condition, without doing anything to help him. The rich man had plenty of opportunities to reach out, plenty of chances to help, but he ignored every one of them. Now, we could leave it right here and make this a parable to be simply about morality and about taking care of the poor. And don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. Jesus himself said, the poor you will always have with you. And if you remember back in the beginning of Luke's gospel when he was preaching in his hometown synagogue, what he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. See, Jesus is all about good news to the poor and freeing the oppressed. It's in his very being. It's what he did. It should be in our being as well as followers of Christ. But this parable is not about giving handouts to the poor. It's not even a story about what heaven and hell are like or what happens to us after we die. Like the four parables that came before it, this parable is about repentance and what we do with our wealth, or rather, what our wealth does to us. Because wealth can oftentimes blind us to the fact that we are actually poor. Remember that the Pharisees, who have been listening to all these parables right along with us, they had a value problem. They valued money more than they valued people. Wealth meant more to them than the salvation of souls. But Jesus saw right through their righteous posturing, right into their empty hearts. Their wealth blinded them to their own spiritual poverty. And it is this disconnect that can cause us to have gaps or separations between ourselves, our neighbors, and even between God. If you really think about it, this gap is not between heaven and hell, after all. This gap is between what God asks of us and what we actually do with what we have.
This gap is one we create between others and ourselves whenever, whenever we think they are worth less than we think we are worth. And Jesus says, that's wrong. We need a change of heart, a change of mind, before it's too late. The rich man never did repent. He was still treating Lazarus as less than, even after he had experienced the torment of hell's flames. Remember, this is a parable. Whether or not there's an actual hell in the afterlife is really irrelevant to the story. Because this torment is very much one that he, and for that matter we, can experience today, in the here and now. The rich man wouldn't even speak directly to Lazarus. Make him dip his finger in the water to cool my tongue, he says. Make him go to my brothers who are still living. Even in his tortured state, he couldn't bring himself to see Lazarus as an equal partner in God's grace. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus is not about what happens to us after we die. It's a parable about repenting of the notion that someone who is poor is less important to God than someone who is rich. In God's view, every one of us has value. Every one of us is a beloved child of God who needs to come home. So let me recap for you these past four weeks each one centered on a parable that is closely connected to that pinnacle parable of the prodigal son. Heaven rejoices whenever the lost are found. Heaven rejoices whenever a sinner repents. God welcomes his children home when they repent. God values people over wealth and wants us to do the same. And God knows that some of us will never get it. Even in death, the rich man was still focused on himself and his own comfort. He is the picture of what it looks like not to repent, not to change his life's direction, and ended up having to endure seeing Lazarus being comforted by Abraham on the other side of a deep, deep chasm. That chasm that gap was one that he had created. He made it wider and deeper every time he walked by Lazarus and did nothing to help him. It grew every time he feasted while Lazarus starved. Even if the rich man had brushed a few crumbs toward Lazarus, that, cap would have, that gap would have grown larger because the gap came from the rich man's assumption that Lazarus was worth less, when in fact, Lazarus was every bit as valuable as anyone else, even the rich man. So how are we to mind that gap? How do we close that chasm that separates us from people we have come to see as less valuable, less lovable? There's only one bridge that could connect us to people on the other side of that chasm. And that bridge is Jesus Christ. When we fall at the foot of the cross of Christ, 
we see that we are actually no better than anyone else. And no one else's sins are worse than ours. When we place Jesus at the center of our lives, Christ stands in that gap between us and our misplaced values and helps us see that sharing resources among all God's children looks a lot different than just giving away our access to the less fortunate. Because we all stand in need of grace. None of us deserve it. But every one of us receives it. Because thankfully, God's grace knows no boundaries. And every single one of us, rich and poor alike, is a beloved child of God.